Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm here in the studio, as always, with my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hi, Matt. How you holding up today, bud? Not great. No? <laughs> What's going on? All right, so we went to the premiere of TBS's Miracle Workers. Second season, Dark Ages. Yeah, and they had this like medieval-themed premiere. And, it was um, an event made for me, <laughs> I would like to think. Yeah, it was like medieval times, but mm-hmm. in the West Village. And um, also there was a bunch of mead. <laughs> Dylan Sprouse's mead, to be exact. <laughs> Which, if unhappy our listeners remember, I bought very early on. Well, turns out I shouldn't drink that much mead because yeah. I'm currently on day two of a hangover <laughs> and I don't feel good at all. So I'm channeling that negative energy into our deep dive today. So let's just get right into this episode. Let's do it. Let's hear it. All right. Obviously, we're going to kick things off, as always, with worst things first, where I shout about the worst news of the week. After that, we got our little deep dive for you. And I'm not sure how we've done over 100 episodes of this podcast without covering this topic, but my sources tell me we haven't, even though I feel like I've talked about hangovers before. But anyway, we're diving deep into hangovers. And finally, we got Josh Gondelman on the show. He's an author, comedian. He writes and produces for Jesus and Marrow on Showtime. He used to work at Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. And now, most notably, he's a guest complainer on Unhappy Hour. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's talk very quietly because I still have a headache. And it's splitting me open. And start the show! (laughs) 
All right, worst things first. Let's talk about the worst news of the week first. The National Weather Service has issued a warning in Florida. Only in Florida. For residents to be on alert for iguanas falling from the sky. (laughs) Yes. Someone DM'd me about this story and I was so, so pleased. Yeah. So apparently, according to people who know weather and also animals, the unusually cold temperatures in Florida... Basically, uh, iguanas freeze when they're cold. (laughs) You know. You know, just like as we do. But like literally they get stunned. Oh. And like seize up. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, it's unusually cold in South Florida right now, like around Miami. And so when the temperatures drop down to like the 30s and 40s, the stunned frozen iguanas just start falling out of trees. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do they just have to put down, like, little tiny mattresses or under all of these trees to try and catch them? They better. Yeah. There was one, also this one article, this is from the AP, says that uh, male iguanas can grow up to be five feet long. I'm sorry, what? And weigh nearly 20 pounds. That okay, seems... that's an amazing ratio. Wish same. <laughs> yeah. Supermodel iguana. Um, that BMI is so low. <laughs> Those measurements are to die for. Um, <laughs> how is that even possible? 20 pounds, but five feet long? It was. Is their tail just super long and skinny? I guess so. Yeah. This particular story I don't think is totally new because I did see some people tweeting at us about uh, there was a guy in Florida who picked up a bunch of iguanas that he thought were dead And then as he was driving them in his truck, they all started coming back to life. (laughs) (laughs) What a beautiful zombie iguana movie. (laughs) Which I think I saw it referenced in an NPR story like a year ago. Because, yeah, NPR did a story that was like, what do you do if you come across an iguana, (laughs) frozen iguana? And yeah, authorities in Florida were like, don't touch it because it (laughs) probably isn't dead. It's probably just cold (laughs) and it will come back to life and it will kill you. So, you've been warned. Next! An animal shelter in North Carolina is attempting to get rid of what they're calling the world's worst cat. In a Facebook post last week, the shelter offered the cat up for adoption, but specified that the four-year-old cat was the cat from hell. Call back, we should probably send this cat to that woman in the UK who keeps trying to steal her neighbor's cat. (laughs) Oh, you wanted a cat, lady? (laughs) Here you go, cat from hell! The shelter director told the Charlotte Observer that they've been concerned about this cat for a while because it acts sweet for a bit, but apparently it's just a trap to lure people into an attack. So they posted this cat and they were like, Meet Perdita, not for the faint of heart. Likes, staring into your soul until you feel as if you may never be cheerful again. (laughs) This is an animal shelter. (laughs) Get rid of this cat. The song Cat Scratch Fever. The movie Pet Cemetery. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Jump scares. Lurking in dark corners, being queen of her domicile, fooling shelter staff into thinking she's sick. Dislikes the color pink. Kittens, dogs, children, the Dixie Chicks, Disney movies, Christmas, and last but not least, hugs. 
She's single and ready to be socially awkward with a socially awkward human who understands personal space. Seems like someone is projecting at this shelter. (laughs) It's me. This cat is actually me. I identify with everything in this post. Except I've never seen Pet Cemetery. Anyway... If you're interested in this fucking cat, you probably won't get it because they've already gotten like 50 applications. So by the time you hear this, the cat is probably already gone. All right. I saved your life. And finally, doctors are warning teens, stop masturbating with banana peels. How? Why? Where? Apparently, it's a hot new trend, according to Reddit, which means it's probably not a hot new trend. It's probably like <laughs> one person who made a joke, and then the media, the the news oh, media, media, the mainstream media Think. was like, oh, a bunch of teens are masturbating with, with banana peels. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it's real. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've done it every night this week. Um, I have never, and I will never. Well, I'll never say never, but I have never. There's, to me, something, like, if you left a banana out, uh, like, an open banana mm-hmm. for more than three minutes, it's, like, immediately charred beyond belief. Can you imagine? No, I don't want to. That's for sure. So, yeah, some, uh, I guess a bunch of people on Reddit were like, yeah, I totally do this. And a doctor was like, um, absolutely not. <laughs> This is like the worst idea. This is you could develop rashes, sores on the penis, which can be painful and might lead to infection. Well, yeah, no shit. How else am I supposed to get my potassium? Through potass that ass. Is that what they're calling this form of masturbation? No, absolutely not. <laughs> cool. Yeah, apparently people with banana allergies are more likely to be allergic to other stuff like latex and other fruits and vegetables. So they were hmm. like FYI, if you're only masturbating with the banana because, like, I don't know, you don't want to wear a condom, (laughs) that's absolutely no relationship. (laughs) Then don't use a banana. Maybe try another alternative, like not doing any of this. To be fair to these young, brilliant children, if we're always taught how to put a condom on using a banana... What else are they supposed to think? You know what I mean? Yeah. We're training millions of school children to be horny for bananas. Yeah. (sighs) That's a dead fruit that you're fucking. You're fucking a dead fruit. Disgusting! Anyway, that's it for this week's Worst Things First. Next, we're diving deep into the one and only negative consequence of drinking, hangovers. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. dive. By the way, before we get into it, I do feel like I should say, even though my entire brand was built on me chugging a bottle of wine on the internet, that yeah, I'm not not a fan of binge drinking. Or its consequences. I don't recommend it. I think you should avoid it. <sighs> Sometimes shit happens. Yeah, as it did this week. Okay, we made a mistake. <laughs> we're so sorry. <laughs> we're still dealing with the consequences. Here's our repentance. Yeah. Deep dive. Deep dive. Deep dive. Deep dive. Deep dive. All right. Well, did you know that a Hangover is not just the name of a film trilogy directed by the guy who made the Joker? <laughs> 
<laughs> I did not realize that. But I do know the person who wrote parts two and three, and that is Craig Mazin, writer and creator of Chernobyl. What a world. Anyway, it's also a word to describe the sickness you experience several hours after drinking too much alcohol. Who knew? But for centuries, drinkers have experienced headaches, stomach aches, general ickiness, because apparently alcohol is bad for you. It's true. I, I had no idea. I had no idea. But yes, everybody knows hangovers are the worst. Nobody likes hangovers. I just feel the need to vent about it because both of us experienced some pretty epic hangovers this week. We sure did. I also think personally in my in the last like three months, my hangovers have been some of the worst of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like as you've been healthier in your everyday life, then when you poison your body, you feel worse. <laughs> it's just like, okay, yes, I have lost like 60 pounds. I don't eat as many carbs as I used to. But apparently I've just lost all sense of how much alcohol I can drink. And it's like, okay, I thought that working out was supposed to make me uh, stronger and not weaker. But no, apparently I'm getting fucking weaker because my hangovers are getting worse and worse every day. I've officially reached the age where a hangover requires like at least 36 hours before I'm at like 75% capacity. Which is, like, the most I perform at. That's the most we can hope for on a good day. Mm -hmm. The point is, hangovers are terrible. So let's get into it. Why hangovers are the worst. (sighs) Deep breath. First of all, it's bad enough that you feel physically ill, but also you have to regret everything you did emotionally. It should be one or the fucking other. Like, it's unfair that you have to be like, okay, I ruined a couple of friendships. <laughs> I texted my ex. I burned down the KFC half of a combination KFC Taco Bell. But also, now I have all of the symptoms of bird flu. <laughs> you should only have to deal with one type of fucked up at once. And hangovers are just pouring all of the types of fucked up into one brain at the same time. I literally have to compartmentalize. I just have to push down all of the mistakes that I made socially so far into the pit of my stomach just so I can focus on getting physically better and deal with the emotional trauma I've caused at a later date. And then once you do that and then you go back in your phone and find that you DM'd someone you didn't remember DMing and that you took photos you have no memory of taking, it all comes spiraling back even if you feel fine physically. Yeah, I will say, I don't think I've ever, like, totally messaged someone out of the blue where I'm like, I don't remember ever having sent that message. Mm -hmm. I think, to me, I almost find, I almost find being the recipient of someone's drunk messaging endearing. Yeah, as someone who has been the recipient of your drunk messaging, it is (laughs) the best. (laughs) Good, good. I don't recall drunk texting you, so maybe here we go. We're uncovering them as we go. Also, you're just dizzy all day. Like, you just can't stand without making the noise that you make at this point where you sound like a pregnant goat. Just. (laughs) That was me standing up. Wow. That was a beautiful performance. Thank you. And then you stand up and your brain is like, um, it might just be me, but I have no idea if this room is a still object or if it's trying to attack us. 
And then you lie down and the room is still spinning. It's like, hello, we're not moving. We're literally not moving. I couldn't be more not moving in my life right now. Why the fuck is everything else still in motion? Waking up hungover is like waking up in a waterbed in that I don't know how I got here and I want to be dead. Also, your stomach just decides to randomly hit the eject button like hours later. Hello, honey. The alcohol's been in there for hours. I don't get people who throw up the next day. I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like to me, okay, I've I've been on the record as saying I've only thrown up from drinking four times in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of this fact. Over the last uh, eight years, that's not a great record. That's actually really not. <laughs> And three of them were all in in two weeks. So Wow. What a wild two weeks. But they were all, every time that I've thrown up from drinking has always been the night of. Because that's when it's like most real. The next day, it's like, what are you getting rid of? It's all, it's all seeped in. This has been Science with Matt. Also, hangover poops. I don't want to talk about this one either. <laughs> are the lowest of poops. Writing down all of these points actually made me feel worse. Yeah. <laughs> this is the least thing from being cathartic. <laughs> but yeah, I just, nothing is worse than trying to like stabilize yourself on a cold toilet because it feels like you're taking a shit on Captain Jack Sparrow's boat. <laughs> so you have to grip the walls with your head between your legs and a garbage can between your ankles in case you start vomiting on top of taking a wet shit. <laughs> Oh my god, I hate you. <laughs> yeah, there, well, I think that is the lowest point, when your head is between your legs on the toilet. I can't say I've ever been at that point, but I've still had some pretty low lows. Yeah, what is it? I guess, yeah, I mean, it's because alcohol is poison. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's because your body is depleted of all its nutrients. Also, you can't even enjoy the food that's supposed to make you feel better. Like, a greasy meal is, like, scientifically supposed to make you feel better. And I would love nothing more than to stick a hot, juicy breakfast sandwich into my drunken maw. I wanted Shake Shack. I wanted a Shake Shack burger. I wanted a dollar slice pizza. And I wanted specifically this Chinese food from a place in Bloomington, Indiana, that is the greasiest fried rice in the whole world. I think fried rice is probably my favorite drunk slash hangover food. But I couldn't do any of that. I couldn't eat any of it. And it made me so sad. Chinese food sounds so good. Right? right? I'm going to order it tonight. (laughs) But yeah, you eat that stuff and your stomach is like, guess what? (laughs) Welcome to a game show we call Will It Stay Down? (laughs) Where every bite is a chance and nobody wins. And then alcohol just keeps spewing out of your pores, like the bleeding walls of a haunted mansion reminding you of the terrors of your past. It's like, pick a way to expel yourself from my body. Is it throw up, diarrhea, or sweat? It can't be all three, because I've already thrown up and diarrheaed. I don't need my sheets to smell like a skinny girl margarita because my sweat glands decided to join the action. Where were you last night? Sweat glands doing nothing, staying silent. Also, it's completely fucked that the solution is to drink more water. (laughs) Like, so much pain and misery could have been avoided with such a simple fix, and it's upsetting. Also, technically, yes, it could have been avoided by not drinking. (laughs) Whoa, 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 whoa. What? 
it. But more importantly, if you had just hydrated like an adult bitch, you wouldn't be wondering why you tried texting a Wendy's at 4 a.m. when your McFlurry order wasn't delivered to the bus stop you fell asleep at. It's a dark place. (laughs) It's because Wendy's doesn't serve McFlurries. Honestly, the worst part is people who are like, well, you shouldn't have drank so much. Listen, asshole. My body and conscience are doing a good enough job making me feel like shit. I don't need some lint-licking cootie queen pointing out the obvious. Who are you calling a cootie queen, you lint-licker? <laughs> a lot of voices in today's show. I'm loving it. Also, to be clear, anybody who suggests a hair of the dog solution can straight up go fuck themselves, okay? If I'm still in the passionate throes of a hangover and I get a single whiff of alcohol, I will violently void my own skin. It was actually hard to watch Shit's Creek because I didn't realize how much they drink on that show, or at least the latest episode, where like every scene they had a drink. And I was like, I, I can't, I can't handle this right now. I'm so sorry. I love you all. Yeah, the worst task, in my opinion, the morning after task, uh, is taking the glasses that you've left on the counter that still have a little bit of, like, melted ice in the bottom. Yeah. And just the, like, little bit of scent that comes off of that when you're putting it into the sink is Mm -hmm. gag-worthy. And the worst part is nobody has any sympathy for you. And yeah, I guess it's not that they should, but also they should. Like, I know the mistakes I made. Take pity on me. Oh, a withered old woman whose body is crying desperately for recovery. And I hate that you're so tired, but also sleeping is just impossible. Your body is just like, oh, we desperately need to be asleep right now. But also, if you close your eyes, I will destroy you. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, the fact that everybody's got a cure, even though it's just like, no, your body needs time to flush out the literal poison that you put into it. Drinking some miracle cure raw egg cayenne potion that some witch brewed is not going to undo my bad choices, all right? A hangover is my body's way of saying I should chill the fuck out, and as much as I hate it, I deserve to suffer. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Anyway, I learned my lesson, even though I probably didn't learn my lesson. But that's it for this week's Deep Dive. And now, without further ado, we got an interview with Josh Gondelman. My guest complainer today is writer and comedian Josh Gondelman. He's written for Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. He currently writes and produces Jesus and Marrow on Showtime. He's the author of the book Nice Try. And he's probably the nicest person ever on Twitter, at least. Welcome, Josh. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> um, so we always start by asking everybody, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? Okay, here's something... I think if you push me on it, I'll be like, I like it some, but I definitely like it less than almost everybody I know, which is going to the movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like movies. Sure. First, I love that they exist. God, just go out there and make your films, you know? <laughs> I just, wow, my heart goes out to film. But uh, for me, like, going to the movies is not a 
relaxing experience. I find so many movies too stressful for my taste, especially now. <laughs> like, and so many of the movies that aren't stressful, I don't care about. That's it. I think it's I'm getting to be less into it because like there's either like Uncut Gems, which is Adam Sandler shouting at you for for 130 minutes or 110 minutes or however long. Yeah. Or it's like Avengers dead guys where they're all dead and it's the Avengers. And I, I'm just like, I, do, I don't care. I don't. And not that other people shouldn't, but I just don't. Like, I'm for a three-hour Avengers movie is not my one wild and precious life. That's not what I'm using it for, <laughs> as Mary Oliver would say. So I think there are just fewer movies that I'm interested in and more that I prefer to watch in the comfort of my home. Right. Um, I saw Booksmart in the theaters over the sum- last summer. I was very excited to do that. But, like, Parasite, which I loved and saw at home, Uncut Gems, which I'm waiting to see, even Little Women, which I'm excited to see and excited to watch at home because I'm just like, that's very gentle, but I don't I don't think it's going to gain a lot from the communal experience. It's not going to be like a theater of people like uh, hooting and you know laughing or crying it, like in a big group effect. And I know like film directors would be like, but they're meant to be seen this way. And I would be like, we'll make more movies that I want to see in that context. I see. Yeah. So that's where I'm going to start going to the movies. I know I immediately walked it back and then I walked back the walk back and I stand by it. No, I mean, there's a there's a, a complaint in there. There's the, the yeah. seed of a complaint. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I will complain about it. I mean, I just find like it's the wrong scenario for me to watch something that's tense. Uh, because I want to feel comfortable and at home. Right. And then it's the wrong scenario to see something that's like like a small movie. Like a, I saw Lady Bird in theaters. I thought that was pleasant. I would have probably had an even better time watching it at home. Right. And obviously the snacks are too expensive. Yeah. Um, the the seats, some of the seats are, are very comfortable. Yeah, they have improved. Yeah, they've ramped up the comfort of the movie theaters. I think to counteract people like me who are like, why, why would I go to the theater to see a movie when all the movies are in my house? But like specifically right. it's content too and that there are just less movies that feel like fun to see in the theater. Yeah, yeah. So is it the loudness, the like stressfulness? It is it's not the volume, it's like the tension. Like I'm also a very squeamish person. I don't Same. like a lot yeah. of gore and I don't like to feel locked in to that. Like if there's a really intense scene, I like to be able to like take a breath, stand up for a glass of water, come back to it. Right. Uh, And I understand that I'm absorbing art in a way other than that it is meant to be experienced, but that is my prerogative because (laughs) it is my life and not, not yours. Uh, The guy who directed hereditary. (laughs) I, I'm also curious, I guess, does that translate to other forms of like theater going? A little bit. Broadway. A little bit. So with Broadway, I feel like generally it's a less stressful experience. Yeah. But I do have to kind of. Generally. I feel like I have to kind of steal myself for like a more stressful show. Yeah. But it feels a little different in that it's. It is less overwhelming. The yeah. sensory nature of it is less overwhelming than in you know in a theater with surround sound and you're like maybe your chair is shaking and Ben Affleck is thirty feet tall. It's just too much Affleck. <laughs> it's smothering me. So with Broadway, like there are certain things that I'm like, this will be a really bleak experience. But it's also not like, oh, I wish I could watch this play at home. It's just like, maybe this is not, I I will wait till I feel up to it. Right, right. But it's like, 
I think I have an undue like stress response to <laughs> movies and I, yeah. I get like more overwhelmed by them than other people. And so my complaint is there should be more movies that are more fun for me specifically. <laughs> like I like watching a big like studio comedy in a theater of people laughing. Yeah. I like one of my, and this is not a movie that I necessarily stand behind as a movie I would watch over and over again, but I have such great memories of being at The Hangover, the first one, when it had kind of been like, oh, wow, this is really funny. You should see this. Like it kind of had great word of mouth and had this, you know, strong box office or whatever. So I really, it's not just like when I'm doing my own thing and it's right. not just that, I, it's not that I hate movies, but I do find like, if I'm in a movie theater worried that it's going to become like suddenly too intense, it will stress me out past the point that I enjoy to feel like tension and discomfort. Right, right. Whereas like in a in a play, I don't think I ever worry that I'm going to like see something that will be so vivid and repugnant that I will not be able to like contain myself because also this, so it gets to this level. This is something I don't know why I'm like unraveling myself like a, like a skein of yarn, but like I am a fainter. And so that's oh, how bad it gets. That's yeah. fun. So like on a third, <laughs> so like on a third, my third date with my now wife, we saw gone girl in the theaters and the, there's a scene where someone oh, yeah. gets stabbed in the throat and kind of bleeds out like loudly gurgling right and that was so bodily overwhelming for me which is like so embarrassing because it's such a it's kind of a cheesy movie in like a fun way otherwise it is like a an incredibly high production value lifetime movie right but that moment was just too much and i left the theater and i sat down on the floor of the theater and my phone had died because i had like a two-year-old iphone which is uh it could just die at any moment. Right. It's like having a 107 year old relative <laughs> where you're just like, you can't even get mad if they die. You're just like, well, it's had a good run. Right. So I was sitting on the floor and my, I don't even know if she was my girlfriend at the time, but now my wife, we were dating and she comes out and is like, I was worried. She thought I had just bounced on the date <laughs> or it was just like in like just doing something ungodly in the movie theater bathroom. Right. Because it had been like 15 minutes and I like left the movie, which is like, it's like, that is not how an adult like just like a oh, food poisoning. <laughs> but like I was just sitting slumped against a column and like employees were walking by me as if I was like a drunk who had fallen asleep and she came out and like got me a bottle of water and I, and I drank it. And it was like that I, I think might've stuck with me more than is ordinate. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't like that experience right. and I don't want to recreate it. That is, that is true. I, <laughs> I just, I'm like in awe and also uh, like jealous of the fact that, you endured that and then still married the person yeah. that was on the she other end. She's amazing. Much credit to her. <laughs> yeah. For even though I, that I have, is a true test. I have the constitution of like a Victorian era baby. Right. <laughs> like a baby who's only worn like fluffy collared shirts from infancy. <laughs> Yeah. That's what I'm. That's what I'm. Hand- like, if you just whisper the word cholera, I die <laughs> immediately. <Right. laughs> and so that's what she. So that's that's what I'm like. And so it's like not a quality I'm proud of, but it also makes that kind of like movie theater stress more than is reasonable. Yeah. And so I think I like it less than most people just to use the the last movie i i was like went to see in a theater and was like what a treat oh you know what knives out was great that was like 
that was like right on my wavelength. I'm like, <laughs> this is this was fun to to sit through. Yeah. I enjoyed the whole thing. It was like wonderful. It was engrossing. It, but at no point did I feel like I was being. It was like an endurance test. Right. Right. Where so I I you're from outside of Boston? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I grew up in Stoneham, Massachusetts, which is like just north of the city. It's where Nancy Kerrigan is from and Mario Cantone. All right. Mm-hmm. So some icons. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> very very different. My parents um will not watch the uh Itanya. They'll not watch Itanya <laughs> out of personal. loyalty for Nancy. <laughs> they're just like, why would I want to see that? Which is like a very sweet, they're very sweet lovely loyal people is there a lot of like hometown loyalty to nancy Nancy kerrigan (laughs) i think so i think it flared up it does feel like there is a lot of just general rallying behind people in massachusetts yeah no matter where i mean boston specifically there's like there so there's like the tom brady massachusetts people right where they're like that's the guy and i can't I mean, my I've said this on stage, but not for a long time. My grandmother was literally cremated in a Tom Brady jersey. So, like, <laughs> that's true. That's, like, a thing about I can't just abandon the Patriots after that. That is, right. like, it is literally in my family's DNA you at this to, point. Yeah. But there, there's also, like, I have a lot of pride for, like, the stealth Massachusetts heroes, like a Jenny Slate. Sure. Uh, or a... Um, <laughs> A Jason Mantzoukas. Yeah. Uh, and not just comedy people, but there are so many comedy people. Gary Goldman, Amy Poehler. So, like, like Chris Evans, I think, is the mainstream Massachusetts icon right now. Yeah. And bless him. Right, right. He does appeal to, like, all of, all of the quadrants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the quadrants of Massachusetts. <laughs> well, yeah, Massachusetts specifically, but also everywhere Townies. <laughs> Jews. I do. I, I mean, I think, because I'm from Chicago, and I feel like Boston and Chicago are pretty similar in that, I mean, sometimes people talk about it as, like, a monolith, but it's really not. It's like, okay, your Boston is different from my Boston. Yes, of course. Boston. Yes. And it's like, and I think part of it is, like, the racial segregation of Boston is so undeniable. So I can't be like, everything about it is good. But I have such a fondness in my heart for so many things about Massachusetts and Boston and and want the things that are bad to be better. Um, (laughs) Sure. Yeah. As we all do about our cities. They're like, but like Boston, Philly, Chicago, there are similar, I think a lot of similar qualities where it's like, very academics heavy, but also very sports heavy. So like you can grow up and there are opportunities and people around, at least geographically, who are like studying and, and flourishing in the arts. But like everything is steeped in like nothing you ever do, like no artistic accomplishment will ever be as big as uh, the Red Sox winning the World Series in 2004 <laughs> for the first time in 86 years or whatever, or 88 years. Do you know what I mean? So right. it's like there's these opportunities, but like you know you will always be eclipsed by – like it is just wisdom in Boston. It's where I started stand-up that like if the Red Sox are in the World Series or in the playoffs or the Patriots are in the playoffs – fewer people will go out to see live comedy because people just stay home. Right. And I don't think that's like that, except for in New York, like the Super Bowl is kind of like that. Yeah. For like comedy shows, probably like Broadway still happens. Right. I imagine like people who have invested in those tickets will, would still go. But like, you know, if the Bruins are in like the second round of the playoffs, it's like your show has eight people at it. Because <laughs> they're just like, we got to stay home and watch the guys hit the other guys. Right, right. I've asked uh, uh, comedians before, is there in your mind like the worst show you've ever done? 
Ooh. Is there one that stands out? There have been some pretty bad ones. <laughs> ah, oh. I've had some real rough ones. The 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 one that comes to mind in like the most vivid detail was a Oh, you know what? Oh, there's just too many. It's, <laughs> it's the grains of sand on the beach. Um I also do well sometimes. <laughs> but the the worst one I can remember, just the worst like pure bomb was I got booked to do a college in East Texas, a community college in East Texas, and the show was at 11 a.m.? Oh. No, it was an 11.45 show, I think, and I was supposed to do at least 45 minutes. So at 11.43, the fire alarm goes off, and then at 11.46, the show starts anyway. So it's just like people have kind of filtered back in. They like didn't wait. They're like, well, we got we to gotta do this. Right. So there's like 25 kids sitting in kind of comfy chairs looking at the stage. And uh, I was like, oh, are you? this is kind of cool. Are you guys here for the show? And then one kid just goes, nah, this is just where they put the chairs today. <laughs> 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 and I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. I'm bombing so hard that it just feels like a conversation to right. the audience. Like it just feels like a bad <laughs> date where like I've I'm probably like 25 minutes in and I'm looking at my watch like every 80 seconds, just to be like, is it now? Can I go now? And one of the kids goes, Do you know Kevin Hart? <laughs> <laughs> and I like not like they knew that I was in the proximity to comedy, but they sure. didn't realize that I was performing it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so that was so. It, so the reason I got this gig was because my college agent at the time had said, like, they've had kind of a rough string of comics before. The people that would be too dirty, people that were kind of demanding, hard to work with. So she sent me as kind of like. This guy will not rock the boat. He will not cause any problems. <laughs> he can work clean. So I was like consciously working clean, even though I knew like probably if I was a little dirtier, it'd be fine. But I was like, I just got to be super clean. Right. That's what I've been asked to do. I'm, I'm just like bombing my face off. I it's just like sweating from places I didn't know sweat came from. Yeah. It was so bad. And I get off stage and the, the student events person who like was not at the show, who had just been in their office came down and gave me my check and was like, that was terrific. <laughs> and what they meant was nobody complained. Right. Right. Yeah. The standards are, are definitely it. Not the same. Yeah. <laughs> like their standards of success are which is so fascinating. Cause I've also had like really great shows where someone afterwards was like, you know, has some like weird esoteric complaint. Of right. Like, uh, you talked an awful lot about, uh, summer <laughs> more of a winter crowd I'm like what are you talking about yeah uh, but this one was like if 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 she had been if she had come down and given me my check and been like here's this check i want you to uh invest it in a in a new career right because you can't do comedy anymore i would have been like yeah i, I get it yeah you're probably right <laughs> but it's she was just like that's terrific yeah it's like and it's like i've learned one thing that i i don't know where i've where I got this from, but it's like advice that I've heard and taken consciously is like, take the compliment. Like you're only going to make the other person feel weird if you don't take right. an earnest compliment. And so it was like probably the first time I successfully did it. Cause like I knew in my brain that as ashamed as I felt, I was like, if she thinks I did great, she's the one with the check. Right. 
I did great. <laughs> but it was like truly one of the worst. It was like one of the worst experiences on stage I've ever had. <laughs> That's good advice, though. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm guilty of of that of, of not taking the compliment. Yeah, it's it, even when it, I think it's gone really well. Yeah, and someone's like, "That went really well," and I'm like, uh, "I don't know if you know this, but that was actually the worst thing that's it was ever happened." So bad. <laughs> I was confused. I did you hear all the times I stuttered? It's like right. I, and I my default is to do that. I will say I have like stock dad jokes now that I do to like so that I can take it without being like. I am great, aren't I? <laughs> so like normally this, I say this all the time and my friends are like, that's a line, but, and it is, but like someone will go, Hey, that, that was great. I'll, you know, occasionally people say that and I'll go, thanks. I've been practicing. <laughs> yeah. I, or I'll go, you were great. <laughs> I'll go. Thank you. You were great. Uh, I want to transition. We have a, a segment called elaborate, um, which is we found some tweets of things that you've disliked yeah. and I would love for you to expand on them, Please. which by the way, going into it, I was, because you in general, have a very like positive I do. Twitter presence. Yeah. Like an intentionally positive Twitter sure. presence. So I was like, am I going to find a lot? And it turns out you do hate a, a good number of things. Do you just search the word hate? <laughs> I did just search the word hate. <laughs> so I do. I think that's true. And I think that's part of it too is that like I try to be positive about things that are good. Right. And like also like funny about things that are like annoying. But like I'm not positive about things because I think the world is a perfect wonderful place i'm positive because i think like it helps to recognize the things that are comforting and good amidst how bad many things are right right um and so like i always try to be like open to like if someone's like i'm having a hard time i'm not like but there's but have you seen a rainbow (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean right right so on that note some of some of these things this one was only a couple days ago about um you don't get when people complain, like, I see everyone oh, in New yeah. York is posting pictures of the snow. That's what you take photos of. The things you're looking at. Yeah. Oh, I get so <laughs> mad. This, like, it, it is, like, one of those complaints that makes me, like, it baffles me when people are like, oh, I guess everybody's taking a picture of the sunset. And it's like, yeah, because it's beautiful (laughs) like it's the most worthwhile thing to take a picture of that probably a lot of people saw today right and they want to share it and they want to capture it and think about it maybe maybe they have family in omaha and the sun hasn't set there yet and they're like look what's a coming it's a (laughs) dazzling display in the sky for free oh it burns it it sunsets snow drifts uh babies good meals. I understand that like food is an issue for some people, nutrition and stuff. Right. But the people who are complaining about like, oh, another picture of brunch are not those people. Right. It's like, yeah, I want to see a delicious thing you ate (laughs) because it reminds me that I can eat delicious things or have eaten delicious things and I'm happy for you. And maybe I haven't seen that version of brunch before. Right. Oh, I, this is like, this kind of flips the whole show. Right. Cause I'm just like, I hate this complaint and I like the liking things. Right. No, that is, yeah, that is a a valid thing to complain about. Oh, it gets, it's like, what do you think Instagram is for? (laughs) But it's true. I mean, there are people who act like everybody else's responsibility is to be like the most original person for them. Yep. And it's like, no, everyone can be, let everybody else be basic and they're like the things that they like. And the problem, the, the next level of that is then maybe you have you follow a basic set of you. It's your fault. You've curated this feed and it's all sunsets. And if you don't like sunsets, you did it wrong. <laughs> like why it's like, 
you know, people will complain on Twitter, like from from not inside New York. They're like, "Oh, is it snowing in New York today?" And it's like, okay, I get that. That's like they're not really mad about that. It's like a tongue in cheek thing, right? But it's also like you follow all these people in New York. That's they're tweeting about what's germane to their life. I, I will say, I think the more valid criticism yeah. is that. The photos are often horrible. Yeah, that's bad. Very rarely is there a good picture of snowfall, and very rarely is there a good picture of a sunset. Like that you're that you're taking on your phone. No, but there's it's enough that it's like, oh, this is the moment we're living right. in. I can appreciate the sentiment. Yeah, it, th- there are some things that show it, like people taking video of concerts from really far away. Right. It's like, yeah, that know, is one of my biggest peppies. The sound is bad. The video is bad. You can, if you want to remember it, you can just have that photo and keep it. Right. Um, That's okay. It's okay to have a photograph you don't share. I don't get like mad about it, but I am like, what, what am I supposed to get from this? Yeah. This tweet, um, the the word hate was used in the in the reply, which again is like a, kind of a, a nice thing disguised as a hate thing, okay, um, or the other way around. But this was about hating disturbing people next to you on an airplane. Oh yeah. The tweet is: I try not to pee on flights. Like the pilot will hand me a gold medal when we land, yeah. which I uh, wholeheartedly agree with. Oh yeah. I, I don't... for the first several cross country flights I took, I was like, I I'm not gonna pee yep it's not great for you no and it's not (laughs) like it's it's not the grossness of the bathroom fully like that's i don't love the experience of an airplane bathroom no yeah but it's not just that i think it's like i prefer a window seat because i know no one will bother me to stand up right and then in turn because i that's how i feel i don't like to bother the people beside me to stand up right I'm a little, I play a little fast and loose if I'm on the aisle, who, on a cross-country <laughs> flight, I'll pee once, maybe twice, if I, you know, yeah. I deserve it, I work hard, but it's, um, I hate the feeling, uh, not of, like, them knowing I have to pee, like, everybody pees, that's the prequel to Everybody Poops, the children's <laughs> and, um, but it's, like, the idea of, like, they're, they're watching something on the screen and they seem really like locked in or rela- or asleep god forbid right uh i just don't like the like disturbing people but i do i feel like i hold it in as if someone will be like as i deboard the plane we'll go great job <laughs> um yeah i i totally am on the same page i will also say though there I get so aggravated when the person, like, when I do have to get up and make someone move, yeah. and they make, like, a show of how oh, yeah. much of an inconvenience it is. And it's I'm like, unplugging well, I'm my laptop. so sorry that you decided to set up, like, an entire home theater system at your seat. <laughs> You've got to disconnect your surround sound. Yeah, like, put your shoes back on, yeah, zip that's up your pants. You. Yeah, there's just, like, so much involved that was not my choice. No. And you knew the risk. Right. I'm not coming into your home, ringing your doorbell while you're watching TV and being like, can I use your bathroom? Yeah. This is the the chance we have. Um, okay, one more. Please. This one I really just want an explanation for. Um, a wet sock is the most unpleasant thing you can't really complain about. Yeah. Why can't you? It's this not is... sympathetic. <laughs> it's too petty. It crosses the threshold. Anything worse than a wet sock 
and you can be like, this is happening, and people go, oh, bummer. But if you're like, my sock's wet, <laughs> people are like, ugh, what did you, gross. Right. You don't know how to dress yourself? <laughs> like, you haven't prepared for the elements? Like, you, even if you come in to, like, from the rain, people are like, and you're like, my sock's wet. They're like, that's what umbrellas are for, idiot. Or that's what I imagine people yeah. will say to me. Yeah, you, something you did went wrong. Yes. Like, did you step in the shower water before you left the house and not change your socks? Did you step in a puddle? We all know what puddles look like. You yeah. can avoid them. That's that. Yeah, that's how I feel. Uh, there is nothing more daunting to me than the seconds between when your shoes get very wet. Yep. And, and when you feel your it in the sock, yeah. you're like, is it, is it going to penetrate? Is and when it, it going to make its way through? When it doesn't, it feels so good. Yeah. And when it does, it feels so bad. It's like shoe. And it just depends on, yeah, what, the quality of shoe, quality I Quality of shoe, the the uh, saturation of the water. Right. Yeah. Because especially in New York, I mean, it is, we're in the thick of um, the winter season. Yeah. Which I think there was another tweet of yours about, like, this is... We're just at the time of the year where, like, I'm going to hate myself for the next four months. Or, oh, like, yeah. Hate or just the hate world. the weather. Yeah. <laughs> you just wake up and you leave the house and you're like, ugh. But especially in New York when it snows and you have you get those corner, street corner, corner puddles. Four, all four corners, both sides, both, like, arms of each corner, right? Yeah. So it's, like, eight puddles at every intersection. And it's, like, could this could either be half an inch deep or a full two feet deep. And I there's d- no way to know until you're knee deep yeah. in, yeah, sludge. Yeah. Right, you've actually, you've stepped into a manhole that you thought was <laughs> yeah. half an inch deep. Uh, but we'll survive. Yes. Well, on that note, before we let you go, where can people find you and your work? Oh, my gosh. Everything is pretty much at my website, joshgondelman.com, G-O-N-D-E-L-M-A-N. You can find stand-up dates, uh, get my stand-up albums, buy my book. And then if you want kind of rolling updates and pictures of my dog, you <laughs> at Josh Gondelman on Twitter and Instagram. Yes. Yeah. The, your dog's name is on the tip of my tongue. Busy. Busy. Yeah. A senior pug. A senior pug. Yeah. She's she's like a little old lady. She has kind of a distinguished gray facial hair now, which is very <laughs> cute. Um, she's kind of, she's like a, a Dame Helen Mirren of pugs. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But that's high, high words. I mean it. She's a Dame, right? <laughs> Helen Mirren. Yeah. <laughs> Cause otherwise that's just super offensive. You know that Dame Helen Mirren? It's like easy guys and dolls. <laughs> no, no, no. She's a Dame. She's a Dame. All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad shit go down easier. Starting with the TV we've been watching this week. Barry, what you been watching? Curb Your Enthusiasm started back up. I watched the premiere. Have you seen it yet? Not yet. (gasps) Well, it's very good. I'm excited. I really laughed a lot. I mean, I got a text from my dad being like, it's very cringeworthy and they do get into some Harvey Weinstein stuff. So that made me very nervous. But... They are condoning Harvey Weinstein and they're condoning sexual assault in the workplace and things like that. But it's still curb your enthusiasm. Like, I don't know. It was cringeworthy, but like it was funny and I I enjoyed it. I'm also just I love Larry David and I love curb your enthusiasm. So I'm very excited that the season has started. Um, And yeah, that's what I started watching this week. What about you? I also started a new show that I saw a bunch of people tweeting about because the second season just came out, but it's called Sex Education on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched it yet. 
I think I'd seen the first episode of the first season when it first came out a while ago. And I never stuck with it. But yeah, the second season just came out. It stars Gillian Anderson from The X-Files. Also from being Gillian Anderson. Also from being a fucking queen. (laughs) And by the way, I Googled her name and she's 5'3". Yeah, she's tiny. I've met her before. That is absurd. Yeah. How is she that small? I don't know. I know, like, I am probably on the... I'm, like, the unusual... I'm the outlier (laughs) as the tall one. But, like, that is too small. (laughs) She just, like, I would never have guessed that. She wears heels. Anyway, Sex Education, it's a British show. The idea is that Jillian plays, like, a a sex therapist, and her teenage son is, like, a nerdy, awkward uh, teen in high school who, like, inadvertently becomes a sex therapist for his classmates. Oh, right, right, right. Um, it is British, which means there is just fully a bunch of dicks in. <laughs> I will say I did start watching the first episode, but had to turn it off after five minutes because I was on an airplane. And oh, yeah. I was like, I absolutely I look like I'm watching porn. <laughs> the first the first scene of the yeah. first episode is just straight up fuck, fucking for like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, uh, I'll give this another shot when I am in complete privacy. But it's very funny, and I've seen people give the second season, like, really great reviews, so I'm excited to keep watching. I'll get into it. What is your non-TV chaser? My non-TV chaser is something that I'm very excited to talk about, which is that I'm really starting to cook, like, a lot. Like, I realize that I I have been ordering food for lunch at work, not as much, but I still am. But I have not ordered takeout or delivery for dinner since the new year, since before the new year. Wow. Yeah. I've gone out for dinner once or twice, but like that's a lot of meals. And I've usually Alex is the cook in the family, but he's been working really, really hard on something and like working really late. And so I have taken up that duty more so. And it's the first time that I've actually enjoyed cooking and like look forward to going home and cooking. Usually it's like I'm home and I'm hungry and I just want there to be food. And like, why do I have to actually make a thing in order to eat it and then feel full and happy? But now it's like enjoying the process. So that as a whole is my chaser. But I did want to shout out some cookbooks that I've been really enjoying. So one is called Sababa and it's by Adina Sussman. She worked with Chrissy Teigen on her cookbooks. Uh Um, And it's a lot of it's like set in Tel Aviv. So it's a lot of Middle Eastern type of foods but they're it's really easy recipes to understand they're so flavorful and they're really fun to make so i've just like i've made a whole lot of stuff and then this rick bayless cookbook has been really good another thing where it's like very simple to make but full of flavor uh-huh and then yotam Odolangi, who is a british slash also he was i think he was born in jerusalem but he is known as a london chef and again simple flavorful a lot of veggies with him um yeah, and it's been super fun. And I've been doing a lot of Alison Roman's New York Times cooking recipes. So not from her cookbooks, but those have been some that I've really enjoyed. And the last thing as far as cooking goes, uh, last week, a ton of people reached out about audiobook apps. So first of all, thank you guys so much. Uh, that was super sweet. And you had great tips. And people brought up Libby, which is an app I already was using, uh, which is for people who don't know, it connects with your public library. So you're able to do ebooks and audiobooks, which is awesome for cookbooks. Mm-hmm. Like cookbooks are so expensive, right. but you can just have it on your phone or your iPad or whatever and get it from your public library. And that's how I got one of Otolenghi's cookbooks and you can like test 
test recipes out. And then if you really like it, you can go out and buy it. But it's just it's a great way to do it without spending money. Yeah, Um, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's been really fun. And like, I think the thing that's been most helpful is picking a recipe I really like. And then based on those ingredients, finding other recipes with the leftover ingredients. Right. And that has been a way of meal planning that like my head can wrap around it better. Right. So, yeah, it's been really fun. And I've made some delicious shit. So that's that's my chaser for this week slash this month. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. What about you? Mine is um, much simpler. <laughs> That's fine. This is one I've been saving because I like didn't want to uh, jinx myself, basically, and be like, right. oh, my God, I've cooked for like a week. But no, it's been like a month. <laughs> but I started listening. I sent you this particular episode, but I started listening to the Script Notes yes. podcast, which is like people who are in like screenwriting and like Hollywood in general like that, I think, is a fairly popular podcast yeah but outside of that i I don't think it's as popular right um but if you have no idea it's hosted by craig mazin and john august they're two author screenwriter award-winning dudes craig just won a bunch of awards for chernobyl um but they they talk about screenwriting and script writing and uh the episode uh, it'll probably be like two weeks ago now with Greta Gerwig oh where they discuss Little Women it was like so good it's so good John August literally just has her have the script in front of her yeah and they just like go through scenes and oh it's so good but I also saw Little Women for the second time yeah in you theaters. did I don't know if it was because I was genuinely like I had a cold and my allergies were acting up. So, you know, when you sure. like, no, 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 I genuinely do. Like when your eyes are already like sensitive uh-huh. and it takes very little to tip it over. Sure. So when I went into this it's particular. all the time, but OK. When I went into this particular screening, I was like way more emotional. <laughs> <laughs> and I there was the one particular scene where I actually had to like choke back a, uh-huh. an actual sob. Uh-huh. <laughs> where, yeah, where it was like I I almost like literally lost control of myself. <laughs> I always think, I mean, I'm not a, a screenwriter. Um, yet. Yet. Um, but I always think that particular um, craft or art form, whatever you want to call it, is it just always feels so inaccessible to me. It, like, the process seems so mystical. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really know, unless you went to, like, film school and, like, know what the hell you're doing. It just, I I like the podcast, A, just as a writer in general. I feel like it's fun Super to listen helpful, to people talk yeah. about stuff and listen to someone like Greta Gerwig talk about, like, how she is, like, an artist and, like, how she makes decisions. But I think it, like, demystifies the process a lot. Totally. And makes it feel like, okay, yeah, everybody starts out from a place of, like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. And that's also Craig and John, like, they say that on the podcast, that they're like, you don't need to go to film school. Like, don't go to grad school. Just listen to this podcast. It's true. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, it's super helpful. So I recommend that. I recommend the whole podcast. And that's it. That's it. So thank you for listening to Unhappy Hour this week. You can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, then rate us or review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Bellisai. 
Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hansdale Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkleberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Belisai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, Bye-bye. Bum, 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 bum. Have you seen that video of these two little girls who are on the computer filming a video? And their mom pops in and there she's like, which one of you has left a shit in the toilet? I have not. That's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Your rendition is beautiful. That's it. I don't need to see it. We can find the video and and compare. Little girl gets reamed out for not flushing the toilet. Well, it was fucking one of yours. Disgusting! <laughs> Spot on.